Okay, so it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to start, and then some people might be filtering in. But my name is Bernard. I am the tech director at Calvary. And just a little bit about me, I've been on staff at the church for about three years now. Um, I came to Monterey for school. I went to the university here, and I actually studied a mixture of computer science and graphic design. So my major was kind of really was good at emphasizing the design part as well as the more technical side. So that kind of helped me when I came here because I was able to help out with some of the graphics just as like a volunteer. And then also I just knew kind of basic computer troubleshooting issues which were pretty helpful around the church when things <laughs> pop up, especially with our internet because we do not have the best internet. Um, and so I... I met one of the pastors because he was helping out with the college ministry at the campus and um, he knew what I was doing and I was just going to go back home to San Jose and I was just going to lifeguard like I did for the past four years in a row. Um, but he encouraged me to stay here and actually get involved with the church um, and so he did and after that I never left. And I met my wife here, got married in May, um, so I'm newlywed. Thank you. Yeah, it's going great. Got a puppy now. So, first step, she was adorable. Um, so yeah, when, um, when this is the second year that we've done the Restore Conference, and when Brenton kind of was talking through it, and we were doing kind of the recap of it from last year, um, I kind of felt a little bit more like I wanted to do something that was more geared towards the technical aspects of worship. Um, and so kind of my whole thing is, my big responsibility on Sundays is to make sure the services go well. And you know, we have Lonnie Hart here. He was helping out with the light this morning, and he's a really avid volunteer. So I work with him and a couple other um, people that have decided to help out with our services, whether it be sound, video, lights, um, lyrics. And so um, my heart for technology and worship is just really for it to help with the service and to really provide a great environment for people to just fully connect with the Lord and really just enjoy that time and for it to just be kind of an oasis away from the rest of the day that could be either hectic, you know, if you're, we have midweek services that are in the evening, so like people get off of work and it's just super stressful, that they can come into a really just easy environment to worship without many distractions. So kind of the main things I'm going to talk about are lyrics and the type of software you can use to show your lyrics, um, some techniques that we use for showing our lyrics, um, a little bit about lights and what kind of our setup, how we use our lights, kind of how we use it for transitions and really kind of help with the service flow. And then I'll talk a little bit about sound. It's not, sound is not my specialty. Um, if you really want a good feel about sound, Wayne Rodriguez is actually doing a workshop next, the next session at two o'clock. It's really in depth about sound. It's gonna be really cool. Um, and then also just how we use different back, backdrops, videos, um, and announcement slides. So the first thing, um, we can talk about is kind of the software you use. 
to run your lyrics. So a lot of people use just PowerPoint or if you have a Mac Keynote, ProPresenter is a really big one. Um, I've used Easy Worship a little bit um, for our kids ministry. You also have Media Shell. Um, and then also if you're going to use a Mac or PC. Most of these I think work on both systems. Um, we use ProPresenter for a lot of the stuff. We got a church license. So you pay just one price and you could actually put ProPresenter on as many computers as you want, which is really helpful. Um, I have it on my computer and then it's on every computer in the sanctuary. And the benefit for ProPresenter is that it lets you actually see all your lyrics so you can choose them independently, unlike if you're using PowerPoint or Keynote because you just kind of have to click through it. And some of the, I think the newer versions of Keynote and PowerPoint have like a presenter view where you can see at least two slides or you can see the notes on the slide. But ProPresenter lets you see everything and you can do a lot of stuff on your computer without showing anything on the screen, which is really helpful if you need to change the lyrics on the fly, change the background, uh, misspelling happens sometimes. Um, if they skip a verse. Exactly. So it's kind of a bummer when you have to like click through like four things. Like, there you go. Um, and so, and I know Easy Worship is a little older, but it's kind of similar where you have like a layout of all your lyrics and you can choose them independently. Um, and then the whole struggle with Windows or PC computers, I've used both. I know a lot of people are hardcore Mac, hardcore Windows, but in the end it's really what you use it for. And if your computer is solely just for presenting words, you know, Mac is usually a good way to go. Um, they're not going to give you any really random pop-ups like security settings and stuff like that that you find on Windows a lot. And um, Windows, they kind of have a, a little, the ProPresenter for Windows isn't as clean as the ProPresenter for Mac. It seems like they spent a lot of time developing that one. So it actually works a little bit better than the Windows one. Um, but Windows still works. And the big thing is if you have your computer hooked up to several different screens, um, like if you're showing two different projectors or one projector and you're doing a, a display for the lyrics for the worship leaders, if your computer isn't strong enough to handle that, it can crap out real fast. I guess that's not good. It, it'll crash. <laughs> um, and so we, we've had, we had that issue when we had an older computer that like when you're kind of clicking through the lyrics, it would stop and then like jump forward. And so sometimes you need to get a little bit of a stronger computer for that. Um, and so that's just a little bit more of the technical computer stuff, like installing RAM and things like that. Um, and so when it comes to how we present our lyrics, we do only about three lines or so at the most. If you guys notice during worship, we try and not exceed four lines, especially since we actually do a pretty big font. Um, I know a lot of people do like either full verses, full choruses. Um, it really just depends what you want to do. Um, the way Brenton and I kind of talked about it is he really kind of wants it to be a little more simplified, the lyrics a little bit bigger, easier to read. And the way it kind of flows, it's kind of with the song. 
So even if you have a verse that would be four lines on a slide, we would try and figure out where to break it up if there's like a breath or a pause or something to make it two slides so it's a little bit easier to read. And if you want to know the technical font we use is Century Gothic Bold. It's usually 130 um, size and we usually do a two-stroke um, a two-stroke thickness around each uh, around the font especially if you have a lighter backdrop because if you have a lighter backdrop and you have a white font sometimes things can get kind of jumbled up um, especially if you have some backgrounds that are movement backgrounds that are different kind of colors and hues sometimes without uh, the outline it gets a little hard to read the lyrics so um, now since we're talking about font you know there are many different fonts out there and you can use any ones you want but it's strongly discouraged to use Comic Sans um, especially Papyrus that one is overused as well and may look cool for an old hymn song but I, I would not use it um, and then you can either do a sans serif font or a serif font a serif font is like Times, Bakersville and Palo Antique Palo Antique is a little bit more of a um, it, it, it almost looks like papyrus, but a little like thicker. But those fonts are kind of a little bit more formal. They have a kind of the little notches on them. And so um, those are like when people are writing research papers, they use a serif font. But we use Century Gothic, which is actually a sans serif, which means it doesn't have the little notches. It's a little bit more clean, kind of a little bit more artsy, um, and it's pretty easy to read. Um, Helvetica, everyone uses Helvetica because it's a great font, let's be honest. Uh, if, it, if it works, use it. So, um, and we just keep, we keep the fonts consistent throughout all our slides. Um, I've heard of a lot of people who will change the font depending on the slide or if, like, it's a, if it's a hymn or a different type of song. They'll change the font, even change the color and kind of switch it up a bit. Um, it's really kind of whatever you're going for the feel of your service. And then when it comes to backgrounds, if you notice the background we used today, it was kind of like a water color-y thingy. Um, and then last night, we actually used a background that was more like geometric shapes, kind of like a red and blue gradient on it. And so we used a bunch of different We've been sampling from a bunch of different services you can use for backgrounds. And, you know, one of them is Shutterstock, which is actually where we got the backgrounds that we've used this weekend. We actually just started doing this this week. But it, Shutterstock is more just like a generic photo service. Um, you can pay per image, and you can get any type of stock image, whether it is for a background slide or just kind of something you want to use for a graphic. Um, so it's really helpful and it's something that we've really tried using. But another, a couple really good ones are Worship House Media and then also Shareface. Shareface, the really cool thing about Shareface is if you get an account with them, for the some of the images that they have, they actually have the Photoshop editable files on them. So if you find something that's a really cool kind of graphic you want to use, you can actually get that, and if you have someone who knows a little bit about Photoshop, they can edit it and customize it for your church. So, an example is we actually did that for this one. 
This was just on share on share faith. It was during Father's Day, so they had a couple special Father's Day graphics, and we found this one. So we got the Photoshop one, Photoshop file, and I think it had some like random text on it, and we just changed it and said it where we want to fit, and it looks really cool. And so, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's better to have something like that than have someone spend. If you hire a designer, have them spend five hours on it and then charge $60 an hour or whatever. Um, and then I, I didn't, it's kind of not towards the backgrounds, but another service we use is Planning Center. Does anyone here use Planning Center? Okay. So it's just kind of a good service that organizes, can organize your worship team. You can put in songs. You can make services and service flows that are really helpful for Sundays. So at the back of the stage, all of us in the tech booth, we actually have the list of the songs, sometimes who's leading the song, and then like if there's a prayer break, if there's a offering introduction, and then if it, oh, um, and so, so that's kind of really helpful for making the service run a little smoother because then everyone's on the same page and we kind of know what's doing. It is a pretty like robust system, so it takes a long time to really learn how to use it effectively. Um, so it's definitely an investment if you want to start using Planning Center, but after the initial kind of baby steps, it really will help you in the long run. Um, so kind of an example of some of the lyric backdrops. Um, most of these, I believe, are from Worship House Media. So we've kind of used one like this, kind of the galaxy, starry one. This is a still image. And then we also have a parent one that is actually a motion backdrop for this one. Um, we've used one like this. That's kind of the mountain range, has kind of the red and blue gradients. And then we have one like this. We don't use this one too much because people think it looks like a Japanese flag. Um, but it, graphics are so subjective and it's really difficult to, you just want to be careful, make sure you don't use anything too crazy. Like I know um, uh, on in ProPresenter, when you first open it up, it, it has like three images you can pick from and one motion backdrop one. And the motion backdrop is like these psychedelic lights that like wave. Really? Then you hot in here. Then. Um, and so that's another thing. Like if if you like using motion backdrops, this is one that we use. Um, and we used one last night. It was kind of a galaxy one when Nate was doing his prayer. It was just kind of. It's really subtle. Sometimes you can't even tell that it is a motion backdrop unless you're staring at it and like watching one of the pixels like move. Um, but whenever we pick to do a motion backdrop, we really choose a really simple one that doesn't have a lot of really crazy motion in it. I've seen ones that are like river streams or flowing or grasses, grass like swaying in the wind. And those can be cool but also distracting. So we really try and focus on finding motion backdrops that are not distracting, but also kind of cool and really just graphically pleasing. Is that awesome? It's like a paper texture. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what these, 
TV is like a crap analysis. People are breaking. But I don't know. Um, so that's kind of where we go about when it comes to graphics for lyric backdrops. And so, does anyone have any questions about that before I move on to lights? No? Okay, cool. We'll have more time for questions and stuff at the very end of the workshop. But So very, very simple light stuff. Um, we have a Leviton light board that we use, and so it actually is connected. All of our lights are connected with DMX cable, which is, I believe, stands for Digital Multiplex. And so um, that enables it. So on the light board, we have a bunch of different faders. It looks a lot like a soundboard with like the different faders that you move up, but each one will affect a different light because each light is connected and has a DMX address. And so the light board is programmed to take in all those addresses and distribute it across the different faders. So during a worship session, we'll have all the white lights for the worship band. But then if a pastor comes up to do a prayer, we'll bring all their white light down and bring just center white light on the pastor, just to kind of help people get the sense of like, hey, someone's about to give an announcement or a prayer, just really help with kind of the flow of the service. And then up here I have the three different types of lights that we have. Uh, we use regular light bulb lights for our white lights. And then our color lights are LED. And so the different types of lights we have are PARS lights, ellipsoid lights, and Fresnel lights. And so the ones that are the, um, or professional, uh, those ones are used more just for overall lighting. Uh, they're not very directional. They kind of just wash everything out. So if you have like a kid's musical or something where you just want a lot of light on the stage, these lights are really helpful for that. Um, and then when you have PAR lights and elliptical lights, those are more like the spotlights and ones where it's really good if you have like a specific section where your worship leader is going to be and a specific, specific section where your pastor is going to be you'll want to get those type of lights to really focus in on them in those specific areas. Um, and so the only downside to having these lights is the light bulbs, they do burn out. And it's a pain when you have your, when you have your lights up on the ceiling like we do. Whenever they burn out, we have to do the process of getting our scaffolding, raising it all the way up, going up, taking out the bulb and replacing it. So that's the only downside of having light bulb lights up there. I've heard of people starting to go towards more getting LED lights for their actual white light as well, which the only it's an investment up front because they're a little more expensive. But if you have a super tall ceiling, if you don't have access to getting up there, if your light bulbs do break, it's good because LED lights, they're not going to just burn out. They're going to run for a long period of time. So, um, we use LED lights just for our color lights right now. We have four um, professional kind of LED lights that are above the stage that kind of give it just its colory look, if you notice, like purples, blues. We use mostly purples and blues for our color settings. And then we have four 
far LED lights that are on the ground, and they're kind of used to uplight the back walls, uplight the uh, drummer and the keys player, just for a little bit more kind of ambient light. And the way that we kind of set up our lights is we have three different presets that we use during service. We have a pre-service one, which is just for when people are kind of cycling in. It's The house lights are usually kind of nice and bright. The stage is very simple, no white light, um, so that people can kind of just get a feel for the sanctuary, just kind of come in, listen to the house music, relax. And then when we're ready to start service, we actually have a countdown that goes, and then when it expires, the house, the house lights will dim. The color lights will actually change to a different setting for the worship, and then we'll raise up some white lights for the band. So then everyone's like, okay, it's worship time. And so we will keep that setting throughout worship. We'll kind of change the color, the white lights, depending if someone comes up for a prayer request, for like a prayer or a offering introduction or stuff like that. And then usually midway between our service to kind of transition from worship to teaching, we'll do a meet and greet like we did today where either Brenton, the worship leader, or one of the other associate pastors at our church will get up, kind of close the worship set in prayer, and then they'll say, hey, everyone, greet one another before we get into the word. And kind of when they say that, that's our cue in the back of the booth to rate the house lights up so people can actually see each other. And then we bring down all the white light on the stage, but we leave the color light because that the way we do that is because that lets people know that something else is going to happen on the stage. That, you know, some, someone's going to come up eventually and they're going to do an announcement. So we leave the color light up, we have the house lights up, everyone's meeting and greeting, we put our um, pre-service music back in, so it's kind of slow worship music going. And then one of our pastors will come up, he'll be at the pulpit, he'll give us a little signal, and we'll fade out the music and bring up the lights on him. And so then that's his cue to kind of settle everyone down, get them seated, and then he'll start going through the announcements, whether it's a certain event happening this weekend, um, just something that our church is doing, or we use the announcement times also just to welcome new people, because we do get a good amount of new people coming on Sundays. Um, because we're in a very transitional area, we have like the Defense Language Institute, the Monterey Institute of International Studies, the Naval Postgraduate Institute, and then two universities. So we're constantly getting new people who are starting an educational process for sometimes 12 months, and then for universities, sometimes four years. But then after that, they leave, and then a new group of people come in. So we get an interesting cycle of new people, which is really nice, because we get to use that announcement time to really just welcome them, let them know kind of how our church functions and really what to expect. And so after the announcements, depending on if it's Pastor Nate, our senior pastor, if he's teaching through his normal Sunday series, or if we have a special um, guest, sometimes we do a sermon intro video. And those videos range from either being a simple kind of typography video to actually for our most recent series in the book of Luke, we did like a full kind of almost movie trailer-esque 
video, and I'll show you guys that um, at the end when we talk about videos. Um, but then when we do the video introduction, we'll actually bring down all the lights on the stage so it's totally black so that we don't get any bleed on the projector because that's kind of sometimes we get issues with our lights is we'll get either a weird shadow or some red light on the projector and we don't want that during the video because the video is kind of the sole point of that section of the um, service and we'll also bring down the house lights to about almost off we don't turn them all the way off because people have come up to me and been like how come the house lights aren't on and so we leave them on just a little bit so they have a little bit of a glow so people know it's intentional but then those videos usually are 30 minutes tops we don't usually do long sermon intro videos um, and then after that pastor nate or the special guest pastor will just come up and then we have a totally new light setting for the teaching so it's, it's not the same as the worship or the announcements it's a totally different light setting so that it's specific to the teaching and people know that this is the teaching that's going to start right now and also we bring the house lights back up to full not full blast but brighter so people can see their bibles see the notes they're taking and stuff like that um and then we just do the same process backwards we usually do one closing song and then at the end of the service they do the pre-service music and then everyone funnels out and get ready for the next service um, so that's kind of the basis of what how we use our lights. Our main focus is just using them for transitions, for kind of helping people have a consistent service every Sunday. So you know if you're if you're coming, if you're a regular attender, you know what to expect. You know when certain if something happens with the lights, you know like okay that means they're doing an announcement or oh they're doing a video right now, and so it just kind of helps keep the uneasiness of a service if someone is coming in and they don't really know what's going on sometimes that can be nerve-wracking especially if you're talking and a video is going on like you don't want that happening especially for a new person um so that's kind of where our heart is for lights and how we use them so uh, any questions about that that all makes sense kind of why we do that so um I'm going to touch on a little bit about sound right now, just kind of how we approach sound. And a lot of what Josh was talking about is a, is a concern for us when it's like, you know, the way we do our sound, you know, not everyone is going to like it. Not everyone is going to appreciate the certain type of mix that we want as a church. And the big thing is that Pastor Nate actually talks a lot with Brenton about what he's looking for in a worship service. And Brenton works really hard to make sure that that's what we provide on the Sunday. So the big thing for us is we, we do like a rather loud worship service, um, usually emphasizing a lot on making sure that the vocals are very clear, making sure that instruments like the electric guitar, the bass drum, and also the bass guitar are, are rather hot in the mix. That's kind of the look and feel that we're going for when it comes to a service. And then also for the sound tech in the back of the sanctuary, if he has a decibel meter, usually he tries to not mix higher than 90 decibels in the back. Because if you get in the center of the sanctuary, that's like, it, it moves up about five decibels as you move closer to the stage. So in the middle of the sanctuary, right in the sweet spot, 
it should be about 95 decibels, which is pretty significant. And so um, we use a Roland M400 uh, digital soundboard. We used to have an analog board, but when we did uh, the redesign of our stage, we went for a digital, which is actually really nice. We really enjoy it. And then um, each each uh, worship team member has an M48 Roland personal mixer. So if you saw them, they had earbuds in, and so that's what they actually use to either, they can hear each separate instrument that is playing. So that kind of helps them, because they can also hear their click, their track if they have one, and we don't have to put it in the house at all. And, so, and that is also all connected with the M400 in the back. And especially since it's all Roland devices, they all obviously work really well together. Um, but the guys who kind of helped set up our system gave us Roland stuff, so we've just been kind of using Roland. Um, to my knowledge, I don't know if we've used any other soundboards. I know that there's a lot of other good ones out there. I think Avid does some, I'm not sure. But um, that's kind of where we're at with sound. We do get complaints sometimes that it's a little louder. So we actually have our West Sanctuary that is technically our satellite sanctuary. So we have it set up that we can actually stream our videos, our video from the East Sanctuary over to the West Sanctuary. It's been a process and we're still having some issues with it, just the nature of video streaming. Um, even just in this short distance, we're still trying to work out the bugs, but We've tried to use that sanctuary as kind of like, hey, if you're not really digging the sound in our sanctuary, you can go over to the West Sanctuary. It's a little bit more quiet, a little bit more mellow. Um, and sometimes people just go over there. And the also benefit for that is if people have kids or toddlers or that they don't necessarily want to put in the nursery, they can bring them to the West Sanctuary because it's a video sanctuary. So they feel a little bit better if their kid is a little squirrely or something like that. Um, so that's about the extent of sound stuff that I know. Uh, I know. I know a little bit, but not nearly enough to get super in depth with it. But also, you can talk to Riley Monzo. He's one of he was the dude playing the bass. Um, he he loves sound. He'll geek out about it all day. It's pretty fun. Um, so so now kind of backtracking a little bit to when I was talking about the different videos that we use. So we have, we actually are fortunate to have a couple guys who actually come to the church who have a production company. And so they've actually been one of the biggest things that we've used for a little bit more of our elaborate videos that we do. Like our video for our loop series, they do it and they have their own cameras, they film it, they edit it and they give it to us. And so that's really good. But also, sometimes we'll have uh, an event that's not as high priority and we don't have the budget to spend on them. So um, Brenton has kind of a little flip camera, uh, or yeah, flip camera. It's like a small one that he can record uh, video on. So we have actually done a couple Sunday videos with that. And you know, the quality is pretty good. For, I think my computer fell asleep. For what, for what it is, and then I um, have some video editing knowledge, so I was I'm able to edit the technology. 
uh, I'm, I, I'm able to edit the video and kind of do a little bit of simple um, post-production on them. So that's been kind of fun to do. And if my computer would work, I could show some of the examples. There we go. So, uh, so one, this is one example of um, the guys who run our production company that did. We did a, for last year, we had our night of worship that we did uh, a live recording at. We got like a live recorder and did a live album. But to kind of whet people's appetite for the night of worship, we did a little teaser video. It's just 45 seconds, and it's just... So the guys were filming during the whole worship service, and they kind of just snapped some of them together, and then put just one of the generic kind of acoustic songs in the background. So that's an example of a type of video we would use during our announcements section. Um, the assistant pastor would be like, hey, we have a night of worship coming up. Why don't you take a look at the screen? And we have a little video just for you guys. And it's just kind of something like that that kind of gets people a little bit more excited than if it was just a screen image and someone talking about it. Um, and so one example, so that was kind of that. One example of a really cool video we did is um, Nate was doing a series in the book of Ezra and so it was kind of a transitional series for us because we are getting ready for Luke and we're actually going to be in the book of Luke for two years so he had a lot of preparing for that but oh man, um, we had to get ready for Ezra which was only going to be about four weeks or so and we still wanted to do a intro video, but we're not going to invest a bunch of money in something we're going to show for like three, three weeks or something. So Brendan had this idea to do kind of a like the typographical video that's just like words, so we don't have to pay like for actual physical um, actors or a voiceover person, but just we can use um, just type and also a cool song. And we actually used a song that um, one of the guys who's actually on the keys this morning, his name is Jonah Silva, he's a, he's a college student, but him and his friend actually uh, wrote the song for this intro that's only like 30 seconds, and Nate like, was loving it because it's really like bassy. Let's see if I can pull it up. Sometimes videos do that. My computer is not the best computer. It's about five years old, but he's still trucking along. And that's why you get a good computer for your 
videos later, so that stuff doesn't happen during service. Come on. Got the spinny wheel of death. Always fun. Yeah. Okay, well, he is having some problems. I apologize for that. But that's just that's a, that's a that was a video that we actually did all in house. Um, we had our so our graphic for the Ezra campaign was kind of stuff like this. So this was the logo, and then we had the clouds, and then kind of a brick wall because it was Ezra rebuild. And so the guy who actually designed it gave us the Photoshop file for it. So then I was able to edit it and kind of cut it up so that we actually used the Photoshop files for the video. So the wall coming up was just a keyframe of a wall coming up. And then all the sayings were stuff that Brenton pulled out of Ezra that we kind of just faded in and faded out. And then at the end it just said Ezra rebuilt. And so it was actually a really cool video that we were able to do that we only had a week to do it. And Brenton was like, just throw something together that we can use. Um, but that's kind of an example of a fun, if you don't have a lot of time to do a video, it's just fun to kind of maybe think of something a little more simpler that you can still use and it can still be very effective. Um, I'm afraid to play videos now. I don't know why I haven't played more. Let's see if this... So now an example of a little bit more of a um, more developed typographical video was one we did for the book of First Thessalonians. And so this is one that the guys at the production studio still did, but it's still kind of similar. The Thessalonian church was off to a great start. Paul was excited to hear about their work of faith, labor of love, and steadfast hope. They had been persecuted for receiving the gospel, but continued to proclaim the word of the Lord. Even still, Paul encouraged them not to stop there, but to increase and abound in love. He urged them to walk with God, to be set apart unto God, and to live out their faith in God. In short, Paul encouraged them to grow. And the guy who actually did the voiceover for that is Pastor Nate's brother-in-law, who... I mean, the guys at the production studio, whenever they have a video, they just use people from the church. And so it's kind of funny because if you hear it, you're like, oh, I know that person. So it's kind of fun to use people in your congregation. Um, I hope the Luke video can show up because we actually used one of our worship volunteers. His name is Gene. He plays the banjo. Pretty awesome. So, um, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things accomplished among us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. I want you to know the miraculous birth of Jesus. How he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, 
then the favor of God is upon you. How he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. I want you to know that the launch of the kingdom of God by the Son of Man. I want you to know all that Jesus began. So that's the video that we use for our Luke series. That we're actually, that video was a little bit more in depth of what we normally do just because it's like it was the very first teaching in our series so we kind of want to start it off with a nice bang um but from now on i think i think we'll play that video once or twice more um but then we'll i think we'll have a simpler video for if we do like a sermon because that's going to get boring after like four weeks just hearing the same thing over and over again that's another thing to keep into account. If you are doing a video for a sermon intro video, is you're going to play it every Sunday for however long your series is. So you don't want it to be something that's super repetitive or can just get boring really fast. Um, an example of kind of fun video we did for an announcement is... Pastor Nate has his own website that he's actually hosting all of his teachings he's doing through the Bible. He's doing, he, we have a recording studio upstairs, and he's actually recording, just he's going through all the Bible. And it's going to take him a while, but while he's doing that, we're putting the teachings up online so people can access them. And so when we first launched the site, it was a pretty big deal, so we wanted something to kind of show the congregation it without it being just like a static image so I took a couple screenshots of it on my computer and then just did a little slideshow of it so this was kind of rolling in the background as one of the pastors was talking about it kind of explaining the different functionalities how it works um, how you can use it you can share the teachings you can download them you they're on uh, podcasts so you can get them on your phone listen to them wherever but this was kind of a a different thing that we never did before that was just really fun and kind of a different experience for people to see up on the screen and then shows that it's available on the mobile device so kind of how we utilize different aspects of video for our services and lastly we do an we do a countdown video just to get our services started We've had a couple in the past. Right now we have um, this one. We use this one right here. So our services start at 9 and 11. So at 8.55 and 10.55 we start this timer. Um, it goes on our screen and lets everyone know you have four minutes till service starts. Um, and then at the end, when it gets to zero, that's the cue for the worship band to start. And so the countdown video is really helpful. We, the big thing I think that makes a countdown video productive is actually the sound. If it's the same background music every time, soon people will get into their head like, oh, that's the countdown music. Like they don't even have to see the video. They'll just know like, okay, that means it's time to start getting into service. And one of um, 
the guys used to work here, he was going to school, and for one of his classes, his teacher played the countdown, the music for the countdown video, and he got super anxious, because he used to help with the transitions, and then he was like, oh, I don't have to do anything, it's just the video. And so that's just kind of the effects, that, not negative effects, but um, kind of a consistent background, um, countdown video can really help just if your congregation is a little bit laggy and getting into service on time, I mean, we at our 11 o'clock service, we still don't have people come into like the third worship song. So there's only so much you can do, and it's really just kind of making it really easy for people to know when to get to service, when service is going to start, what to expect, and things like that. So that's kind of my spiel. That's all kind of the information I want to expound on you guys. Um, so now I kind of just wanted to open the floor, whoever has any questions about anything. It doesn't have to be about specifically what I talked about or, I mean, just something you were hoping to glean from this specific workshop. Yeah. So for sermons, um, do you go through and come up with a certain type of branding for each series? Or? Yeah, so um, the way we do it is if we have a series coming up, depending on if it's a long series or a short series, we'll either, Brenton will either talk with the designer that we hire out for freelance. He he was in church attender here, but he moved. Um, and so he actually does a little bit more of the um, extravagant ones. And then, but if it's kind of a couple week series or something, like Brenton will either ask me or some of the other guys on staff um, me and Riley, we're kind of, we have, I would say, the most, like, Photoshop and kind of graphic know-how of our, our team upstairs. So usually Brenton will bounce ideas off of us, we'll bounce ideas off of each other, and sometimes we'll think of a graphic for the series. And then from there we'll make a screen image, which is what we show to introduce the, um, the series. Then we'll make one for, like, Facebook. So we can post up like, hey, we're starting this series this week, like check it out. We'll make one for Instagram. Uh, we have our Instagram channel that we post regularly on, so it's just like a thumbnail of it. That's um, it's 16, 612 by 612, that's what Instagram takes. Um, and then we'll make a teaching slide. So if you saw for the Ezra graphic, um, the graphic I have, that's actually a teaching slide for it. The actual sermon slide for it is the Ezra rebuilding the center with um, the walls up. So we'll do a different graphic for the teaching slide. And then we have, a, we have an app that we got through a company called The Church App. They're actually a really good company if you want an easy mobile app for your church. They're really easy to work with and they have a really good system. So. If that's in your budget, it's really helpful. Um, so that's kind of the process we go when it comes to a sermon. Right. Yes? So you mentioned putting the speed over to the tutorial. Do you guys actually identify you as a computer net, or do you have a Yeah, so we have, um, we have a DVR over there, and we have two transmitters upstairs where our cameras are. And then we have two receivers in the West Sanctuary. So we can get the live feed if we want, but also we can actually 
we can re start recording the video on the DVR and then actually play back the recording like a regular DVR while it's recording. Um, we've started using just the live feed from the from the transmitters and the receivers um, because we've had some issues with the DVR and actually the DVR like broke and didn't work and the audio isn't syncing. So it's really, it's not working as much as we'd like it, but the actual live works really well. Just you, we have a software on it that sees the transmitter and the receiver and you just say, say I want to use this source on the projector and this source on the, because um, we have a projector and then we have a, um, four different uh, LCD screens. Um, so you can specify, <coughs> excuse me, you can specify what source you want on which screen and it'll just show you whatever's going on over there. Um, it's still a work in progress system, but it's working so far. We still want it to get a little bit better though. Because every Sunday it's kind of like, let's see how the web page is going. Do you guys do a live stream on the internet? Yeah, so we used to use, um, there is a service called Livestream. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Uh, we used to use them. They are a little expensive. It's about $350 a month just to get a service with them. And so um, they have a good service. They provide you a software to stream. And so the only issue we have with that is, like I said, we, we do not have good internet here. Um, we, we get a wireless signal from a local internet provider. Um, and the fact that it's wireless, it is not very reliable. And Monterey gets foggy when it's foggy and interrupts the signal from the wireless. So our internet craps out. So our live stream won't be able to go. And so we've had a lot of issues with people being like, I can't see the live stream. Or it'll go, it'll stop, cut out. And so we actually just recently changed to, um, I went to the, there's a worship conference in San Jose in November last or earlier this year. And there was a representative from the um, company called churchstreaming.tv. And I talked with him and he actually went over with me kind of how they do their system. And so we switched over to them and it's, it's only $99 a month. And you get like unlimited storage and stuff on their system and they're actually working really well. And so that's what we use now. And it's been going really good. And so we're still not streaming like high quality. We're doing like mostly just mobile quality for people watching on their phones. But I'm actually in talks with AT&T and Comcast right now, figuring out the type of internet services they can provide for us now because they're doing a lot of construction around. So hopefully we can get a hardware internet service here soon. But live stream's been the bane of my existence for a while. What are you using for we have two Vadio HD uh, robot cameras. So next time you're in the e-sanctuary, if you walk through the, um, the doors, and if you look right above you, as you get to the tall ceiling, you'll see two cameras right there. And so they're actually mounted, and then they're wired up to my office, where we have a rack mount that has the inputs. And then it gets plugged into um, then that gets put into a uh, production view switcher so that we have a 
uh, video operator there on Sundays who can remote control each camera independently, take shots, and then each camera also has different color settings, so you can change the gain, the alpha, the amount of reds, the amount of blues in it, and so even they're pretty far back. So I mean, the closest zoom we can get is about like a torso shot on the pastor, and it's it's pretty good. We do want to kind of switch it up, and we actually have wanted to move one of the cameras to like the side of the sanctuary just for a different shot, but. That costs a good amount of money. Um, but the cameras work great. The only issue is we, with the strong base, our cameras vibrate. Um, so that's actually an issue that we've been dealing with and trying to figure out. Like they're they're mounted to the wall, but I was feeling out the wall and it it doesn't feel like there's a beam right there. So if the vibrations happen, the camera shakes, and so it's it's interesting. But. Um, What program do you use to make the in-house videos like the Ezra uh, one you were trying to show? Uh, yeah, uh, I use uh, Adobe After Effects for that. We have a we have an Adobe Creative Cloud um, subscription. So Heather Whipple and I, we're the ones that kind of use most of the Adobe products the most. And so with the cloud, it's a monthly subscription, but you get access to all of their software, which is pretty nice. Before Photoshop itself would cost 400 bucks, um, and so I I used After Effects for the typography one, and then we usually use Photoshop for most of our graphics. I've used Illustrator for some of them, and then for more of the videos that are live action, I use Adobe Premiere for that. I don't. We used to have a Final Cut um, license, but it's a it's a really old one, and it doesn't work very well. So the only downside to After Effects is it it renders the videos at like one gigabyte and that ProPresenter cannot handle like, handle a gigabyte video. I don't know why it's not working on my iPhone. Um, so then you just have to compress it, but um, yeah. What are what are your guys' like positions at your church? Uh, I'm overhead. Very cool. Nice. So what do you guys use? We use Slideshow for Okay, cool. We don't have anyone on staff, so we're building all the graphics and, and all that. And part of our issue is um, we don't always know what's coming up, and so we're told on Wednesday that we prepare and have everything ready for Sunday. Okay, very cool. Nice. I'm okay. Awesome. <laughs> What's something that, so, the biggest obstacle for you guys is not knowing things ahead of time for Sundays, or? Yeah, that's a big thing. We're, we're responsible for um, doing the slides for everything, the announcements. We're responsible for helping with the lighting and making sure because we don't have all the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. You guys have, we have one set of lights and we have all the fluorescent overhead lights. Okay. Trying to work with the sound team on trying to get the lights running right with little remote control type devices okay. we just started with. Very cool. Um, so it's it's a work in progress and it's a matter of working with the praise team leaders, leaders that are up there at when do things transition properly mm -hmm. and getting the complaints and trying 
trying to manage everything. All of that. It can become quite difficult. There's this lack of communication and up ahead and all that fun. Yeah. Yes. When the uh, Easter worship process, is there a way to switch from the lyrics to the video? I believe. Lyrics are how you do it. With easy worship, I I am not a hundred percent sure, but I do not know. But I will check it out. Now we'll let you. Are, are you guys using Easy Worship right now? Okay, cool. So do you guys run into the issue of having lyrics and then wanting to yeah, show a video? Exit Worship, Easy Worship to show a streaming video or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see the Yeah, I guess if you add the animation transition, and I think there's one that's just... Yeah, if the animation's going for a long period of time and then it starts over, but then it's only small and it starts over. Yeah. So it doesn't, like, it won't pick up where you left off the slide before. Oh, on, the on the background? Yeah, it probably won't. Is anyone using like Media Shout or any of those other types of software? Pro Presenter. Pro Presenter? Five or four? Five. Yeah. Can you take okay. Pro Presenter home? Um, you know, like packages to go. One of our issues is um, not having time to do it there at the church. Yeah, if you get a license for ProPresenter for your church, you can put it on any computer, as many as you want. And so if you set up all the lyrics on your computer, you can actually save and export a playlist with all the lyrics, with all your songs, and then all the lyrics, and then if you come to the church, you just put that 
um, playlist into the Proper Center at the church, and I'll just plop it all in. Yeah, Proper Center is pretty robust. It's pretty nice to use. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. What are you guys finding are the things that you're learning through well, Proper Center? The, you know, the ability to yeah. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing with um, like Josh Blevins, he, he had his PowerPoint. He gave it to me as a PowerPoint, but instead of transitioning from ProPresenter to a PowerPoint presentation, all you have to do is export all the slides as images, put them into ProPresenter, and you're done. They don't become editable. But you can like switch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty awesome. Kind of love ProPresenter. What are the type of like, what are the graphic needs at your guys' churches? Like, is it a big need to have a lot of graphics, or is that not kind of a priority? I work at MPC, so I also work at Cypress. Okay. Graphics are part of like the stage moving towards the wall, so it's like a scene. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have uh, we use pro video player. Okay, okay, that's yeah. that's. Associated with ProPresenter, right? Yeah, but it's more like with the big as you know, we have like the big screen and stuff like that. So we have like a video playing over here, uh, another video playing over here, and another video in the center, and all in one program. Mm -hmm. So it's all like working together. And uh, yes, it's pretty cool. You can really change the experience of not necessarily the worship, but Secular people come in, they can actually engage in the worship mm -hmm. easier, at least more comfortable. So I think if it's not something at your church, you know, not that it should be a production or a show, it shouldn't be a requirement, but I think if it's something your church is open to, it's only going to allow people who are not comfortable with church to feel more comfortable. of having an engaging service. It's not to make it about the lights or the video or the worship, but just kind of make it so that the people you're targeting, whether they be non-believers or current churchgoers, that it's just 
comfortable environment and really just captivate them to the word.